this is Cody Walker with SecMart, and today I have uh, Terry Bartley with me, and we're going to be talking about how to build a universe within uh, the corporate comic industry. So uh, kind of the things that we're thinking about in terms of the essential questions that we're, we're thinking on is in a corporate comic entity. And what got me thinking about this is the DC New 52 and how they have been tying books into one another in order to flesh out the universe for new readers. So the first thing that we need to think about is what are the different elements that have been established in the New 52 so far? So we have, of course, sort of the main DC titles, which you know are the, the superhero stuff like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, all of those. Then we also have the Edge titles, which are the Wildstorm Universe ones and a few of the other, not really adult titles, but, but Teen Plus titles. And then you have the DC Dark line, which is the, so the more magic and horror-based titles, the DC Teen line. And am I missing anything else? I, I mean, you could argue that, like, the Batman universe is something in, in and of itself. and uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. And on top of that, like, the Scott Lobdell books are very self-contained. I feel like Teen Titans and Superboy are very much the same universe. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're essentially, not only do we have divergences in in the different lines that or the different brands that are in the DC line, but also with writers either working by themselves and building their own universe or writers working with one another. Like Jeff Lemire and Scott Snyder are clearly building off of one another with Swamp Thing and Animal Man. Jeff Lemire and Dan Didio are, um, actually had their first official tie-in in the DC universe or the first official crossover with OMAC and Frankenstein Agent of Shade. So with all of these different elements, which we have like horror and regular superhero and teen superhero, so it's not as, as graphic and things, and you know the, the edgier titles and things, after all these tentpoles are established, how, how do you think, Terry, how do you think we, we can incorporate them into making one giant universe? I feel like they've been doing it very subtly thus far, and I've really enjoyed that, and very recently, we've seen little developments here and there in different books of how it's the same universe and reestablishing things we've seen in other books, um, in in these you know current books, and it's been very exciting for me as a reader, as somebody that's all that's always read about a you know all encompassing universe, which was the DC pre reboot, and recently Voodoo had Kyle Rayner in it, and it wasn't at all forced, and it felt very natural, and I liked it a lot. And uh, John Constantine was recently an eye vampire, and that was very good. And it felt very much like the same book. It didn't feel like John Constantine was forced into it. And then, then the story elements have recently been converging, which I really love. I was reading Birds of Prey recently, and for those who are reading Scott Snyder's Batman, you'll know what I'm talking about. But they were like, our current enemy, we found her being hidden on hidden 13 floors of buildings. And I was just like, ah, this is so exciting. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, I don't know if you've been reading. Have you read All Star Western at all? I haven't. Um, all Star Western. I, I bought the first issue because I was like, well, I'll buy as many of the first fifty-two as as I can, and so I, I bought it and thumbed through it. And and it's of course Jonah Hex in Gotham City, and he's hanging out with um, 
Amadeus Arkham, who founded Arkham Asylum. And at first it was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of a fun nod. But in issue, I think issue two or three, they reveal that the main antagonist in All-Star Western is the uh, the members of the followers of the Crime Bible. And so you have that, which is a tie to, you know, uh, everything that happened in 52, the series, and also ties into Batwoman directly. And so, and they've actually been saying as well that, that they're trying to establish a lot of stuff that's happened in All-Star Western. They're trying to tie that into Batman very directly, and that's going to come up this spring and summer. And so I thought that that was really exciting to have something that is even out of time, out of the, the current timeline, and still have effects in the in the current time right and i I really appreciate how we see a lot of characters in different times of their of their life like i really love reading demon knights and also reading justice league dark because we see madame zandu as two very different characters but they are the same person so it's kind of fun to think about how did she get to where she is now like what made her this kind of like darker character right right and um and so i suppose then something that that we could argue is that instead of forcing these characters, these characters haven't been forced into this genre-spanning event comic or anything. They're just slowly starting to work their way into each story arc. And also, it's not like, even though DC has had these moments where like Superman appeared in the first issue of Swamp Thing, and Superman, Batman, and Cyborg all appeared in the first issue of Justice League Dark, and those those didn't really feel forced, I guess, per se, but they just didn't really feel like those appearances mattered and they didn't really feel like they were they were so much trying to connect everything together into a story. It just felt more as if they were you know, they were just there. But we have these moments where there are very small story nods to one another that seem to to unify the universe a little bit more, I suppose. Yeah, one of, another very exciting moment story-wise was whenever I was reading um, Animal Man, and, you know, like, we've not at all had any connection to Swamp Thing thus far. And then the creatures have been attacking and started referring to themselves as the Rod. And I was like, oh, I know what that is. This is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know. I, I felt the same way as that, that it's as if the, the two books are sort of talking to each other. Um, until that last issue of Animal Man where they just outright say, they're like, we have to go and find Swamp Thing. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that was fun while it lasted, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, I suppose it's, it's only a matter of time before before characters absolutely have to interact with one another. Yeah, um, and there's weird characters that show up in a lot of books, like, like Dead Man's in, like, three books right now, which feels random, but I really loved it. Like, we've really explored his character in a lot of different ways, because he, he's in Hawk and Dove, he's in um, Justice League Dark, and then DC Universe Presents Dead Man, and we've really expanded on that character, which none of us really expected to see anything from him <laughs> after yeah. Brightest Day. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you brought up earlier about how, you know, Batman is sort of set in its own universe. If you think about it and really green lantern is set into its own universe as well. Yeah. Even, I feel like even after the, the new 52 has started, even green lantern doesn't feel like those books are, are really ingrained or interconnected with one another. I mean, I feel like the things that are going on in green lantern, the new guardians 
have no effect on what's happening in the regular Green Lantern title or in Green Lantern Corps. I kind of don't think it should because they're very different stories. Well, I mean, but even like Green Lantern Corps doesn't feel like it's talking to to Green Lantern. I mean, it's just, it's so weird that that we have these three books that are very much. Well, I mean, technically, if you throw in Red Lanterns too, so we have four books that are set within their their own brand, and yet they don't. They're not really. They're not as focused as past Green Lantern titles have been in the past. Which is, I don't know. I, I find that odd, just because you know past. Like before, before Blackest Night, of course, everything was pretty integrated. After Blackest Night, it was really, really integrated, where all three Green Lantern titles were were just connected with one another and all going in the same direction. And now it feels like they've they've been sort of splintered a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what the New Fifty Two is all about, though, is that you don't want to have to read every comic to get everything. And I think that. Because, I mean, you look at comics like Detective Comics, Batman and, Batman and Robin, Batman and the Dark Knight. They're not connected. They're, they have the same main character, but they're all very different stories. And I don't think that they, the DC doesn't want you to have to read Detective and Batman to get the same sto- to get the detective story, you know? Right, right. No, and, and uh, you do bring up a good point. Um, and one that I hadn't thought of in terms of in terms of sales is the idea that you don't have to read everything in order to understand it. But... That's sort of antithetical to the way comics comics business has been done in the past. Gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know for how long, for a very, very long time. You know, of the idea that that everything is supposed to be sort of interconnected, and you're supposed to read everything in order to to get it. Like, especially the Superman titles. At one point, you know, um, in the '90s, they had the you had to read a Superman title a week in order to keep up, and then now or and then they they stopped doing that for a while and then they started doing it again during you know right before new krypton and during like world of new krypton and things it was everything was was numbered so that you had you had to well you didn't have to i guess but but they they numbered those like on the s shield so you knew what comics came first what order to read everything in but but now i i guess you know like you just said with the new 52 it's as if since none of them are directly reflective on one or the other then people can just go pick up their their favorite titles and just read them without having to go and read everything else yeah and i think that's cuz a big point of the new 52 was to draw on casual fans and casual fans aren't going to buy 52 books and right. that's just the fact that's just the truth of it and like a casual fan can read a book like Birds of Prey, and there are elements of the Batman story with the Court of the Owls, but you don't have to know that to enjoy the story. I think it's kind of like the same way as if you've read a book that they made a movie out of, then they have little bones in there for the book fans. It's kind of like that. Like It's a lot more fulfilling for those of us that read the multiple books. But if you don't, you're still totally fine. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and one thing that's sort of interesting about particularly Superman that I'm thinking of is that you know, action action stands on its own, but when you read action, you're sort of thinking kind of in the back of your head, like, well, how's this going to end up tying into Justice League eventually? Because, you know, they're both set around the same time period, five years before or six years before, and that connection is, is just sort of inherently there. And then when you read Superman, it's connected to all of the stuff that's going on in Edge right now. 
because that very first issue, they they had that monster that is blown like the horn that caused right. the moon to, mm-hmm. to become sentient. And also, you know, if you look at the solicits for a few issues down, Superman's eventually going to fight Hellspont from the Wildstorm universe. And so you have both Superman books are sort of connected to different elements of, of the DCU, but I've just still haven't felt like Superman, who is a very, very, such a key figure in the DC universe is, you know, the most important character in the DC universe. I don't really feel like he's been very well defined quite yet in a, in any title so far. Yeah, it's weird because, like I said, like they picked random characters to push. Like Dead Man is all over the place. I've seen like Xanadu's in two comics. Um, ba- Batman's all over the place. Yeah, and he's super well defined. Yeah. Um, Bad Girl is in several comics. She's been in Nightwing recently, and she's in Birds of Prey. So, yeah. like they've just picked random characters to push, and, and not the characters you would think of as their flagship characters at all. Yeah, well, and, and Superman makes little brief appearances in. Well, like I mean, Swamp he, Thing and, yeah, in the, in the Swamp Thing, but but also in Swamp Thing, it, I remember when I read it, I, you just sort of look at him and go, I don't, I don't feel like I, I know that character, you know, and I, and I don't mean that as a as a slight against the New Fifty Two, but he's just, you know, he, he just hasn't been very well defined yet, and George Perez's run on Superman has done nothing to do that. His his run has has very much just been about. You know, from the I read the first issue and then I, I I sort of thumbed through the other ones, but it's just like he's fighting these elemental creatures, and I'm like, none of this feels like a, a true test for Superman to to establish the character as the you know the leader of of the entire universe, right? And, and on top of that, too, like there's some really weird. I think that when you talk about talk about world building, you need to talk about what is in that world, and we don't know. Like, there's a lot of elements right. of events from the past that are in the New 52, but I have no idea if they happened in the same way. Like, right. like in Swamp Thing, he's Alec Holland. We know that he was resurrected to be Alec Holland. And he wasn't actually Swamp Thing, but that's an element of Brightest Day. We have no idea if Brightest Day really happened. I mean, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. no idea. And, and on top of that, things like Hawk and Dove, like, like Dove going out with Dead Man, that's an element from Brightest Day. But if you read Hawk and Dove, it doesn't feel like they were like they became partners the same way it happened in recent continuity. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of that is is story compression. Is you just have to compress, you know, the past twenty five years from pre crisis to to the the relaunch. You have to compress all of that into five years, and that's just really that's really, really difficult to think about. And so uh, I just choose not to think about it in that way. <laughs> but you are right. Is that how, you know, that, that, that is a hindrance in this case, as far as world building goes, because it, it's difficult to know what still exists. And, and I think that's part of my problem with Superman too, is, is that I, I don't know, like, did he die at one point? Like, I have I no idea. Or did yeah. Batman die? I have no idea. We're not die. Quote, quote, well, yeah. Die. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I think that he did. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did because because Nightwing does say something very briefly about how him he, being Batman. Batman, but then also but, Batman broke his Bane broke Batman's back potentially, and that could yeah. be when Nightwing was Batman. Yeah, because there's no. I don't think there's an Azrael anymore. 
Uh, we're, we're we're going off on this. <laughs> we're, we're going off on a terrible tangent that is just going to that's just going to ruin us in the end because we we can't make sense of of things that will not make sense. You know, just, I, I just wish. I mean, I know that it's counterproductive, but I just wish they would come up with a timeline. No, uh, five years. <laughs> this is no. what happened. No, because we. Uh, I, I, I'm firm. I'm. I'm against it. Only for, like I think that the perfect example of this is Kyle Rayner. Is that Kyle Rayner had you know of course a plethora of stories that happened while he was Green Lantern. Well, he's Green Lantern now still. He was Green Lantern after the Green Lantern Corps was destroyed by Hal Jordan. And, you know, he. It, this has been like the shittiest five years of, of, <laughs> of any time in humanity. And I just, I just think it's like if we compressed it down, Kyle Rayner technically would have only been Green Lantern for like, what, six months, you know, like, like a couple, like maybe a year. And, and if we just start thinking about it in, the, in that sense, and also thinking about like just you know Bruce Wayne would have had to have had a basically a robin a year basically yeah and and also died and had his back broken during during those <laughs> during five years five year period yeah and so i don't know i t- i don't think a timeline would help just because then it's like oh god like how did all of these things happen they, well, i don't i don't want specifics i just i would like to know things like the the crises especially things like Things like Flashpoint, things like Brightest Day, things like Blackest Night. Yeah. Like, did those happen? And and two, I don't get why the Flash doesn't remember anything about Flashpoint. Like, he should know it is a reboot. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. I don't know. I just, I, I just choose not to think of these things. <laughs> like, well, well and, I don't until after I close the I, comic, and then I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I just try to avoid thinking about them. But... Going on and talking about about Marvel in a way because because Marvel has has handled both universe building and continuity in very very in, in opposite ways from DC is that you know with DC of course they have they they have hard resets where everything is wiped away and we're just starting fresh and. Well, which is fine. I mean, I, I I personally enjoy that method, but but Marvel has done a lot where they 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 have their they don't really have soft resets. Even it's just at times they tend to. It seems like to me they just tend to forget that things had happened. Well, they do hard reset characters, though. I mean, I think it's hard to forget one more day. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That's that that's one of the big exceptions. But if you think of if 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 you think of like like the X Men, like the X Men have never really been reset. I mean, and of course they they've had alternate reality nonsense, you know, like Age of Apocalypse and Age of X and stuff like that. But but that that's never really a, a reset per se. That's really more along the lines of of well, those stories happened and now we're back to regular X Men continuity again. But it seems like it seems like with Marvel, after a while, what they what they do is is that stories are relevant for you a know, while. Five, yeah, yeah, for five, ten years or something like that, and then suddenly you just sort of ignore them unless unless they were really really popular, like the Burn Claremont era on X Men. Then those things have for sure happened forever. But you know, if you if you go back to to like Morrison's run on New X Men, they sort of cherry pick the things that that happened. In order to 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 enrich their mythology, but 
but they don't really keep everything that they want because it, in a way it would be impossible to keep everything that, that happened during that time. So it, it's just an interesting thing in my mind, the, the very, the two very different ideas of how to universe build, which that's, that's mostly just continuity, but go ahead. Well, in a lot of ways, um, the way that, that you're talking about the Marvel does where they kind of forget that things happened, that's kind of how comics were written back in the day all the time. They would just do stories that were all encompassing and then whatever, back to the same old, same old. And because they wanted everything to be in the same spirit. But as far as continuity, like, whatever. It doesn't really matter that much. And that was very much like a golden way mentality or, or golden age mentality, right? right. And, and they just, it didn't really matter what happened because the characters were always the same characters. Whereas now, I think that as a reader, we want to see character growth and we want to see things that happen to them affect how they view life. And that's, I think, why we prefer things like what DC does. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and I can see that, but I mean, it, in one way too, it's it's weird to me that they, what Marvel does is they they take events and they use events to build upon one another. So in a way, all of their event comics have a continuity in their own as well. Is that in addition to having an X Men continuity and Avengers continuity, there is this event timeline that exists outside of those things. Yeah, where where stories build upon one each one another there. Of course, you know, we, we begin with, with like Avengers disassembled and then House of M in a way. And then Civil War and World War Hulk and then Secret Invasion and then you yeah. know, it's just they just build on one on top of each other. And one thing I don't I don't know if you've noticed this, but one thing that I think is kind of interesting too is is that the way they position their events their events typically they don't they're not really all encompassing like they they typically feature the avengers almost every event has to have the avengers in them but you know like civil war it didn't really have the x-men in it like the main title didn't i mean you you had wolverine but for the most part like it it didn't feature the x-men right and wolverine and avengers it doesn't even really count right exactly exactly and so a lot of times they will leave out certain things that that aren't going to be beneficial to to the main universe. And DC didn't do that as much with with say like Blackest Night because we didn't have the like DC didn't have the line that it does now where they had you know horror comics on top of that. They mostly were just it was, it was mostly just focused superheroes in my mind. And you could argue that, that it's just superheroes now as well, but there is more of a, a diverse lineup now with the new 52 than there was before. So if they ever get to an event comic, it will, it will be sort of interesting to see if, you know, like I vampire is brought into that event comic or if, uh, you know, Swamp Thing or Animal Man or Justice League Dark is brought into that event comic, you know, like if it, if, if those characters are brought into like a final crisis or something, but but with Marvel, it's like they isolate their events to a certain line or a certain group of characters, and then every once in a while we'll bring in some others. Like House of M was distinctly an Avengers and X Men crossover, right? Because, because of Scarlet Witch. So yeah, and the things like like Spider Island was, was super recent. Um, like the Avengers were in it, but it was almost like an afterthought. Like it was really just a Spider Man event. That happened to incorporate these other characters here and there. Yeah, and and also and and also I I would include in the Spider-Man lineup 
you you get some of those other uh, street level characters like Daredevil or Moon Knight or you know Cloak and Dagger and stuff like that. I know Moon Knight didn't have a spider eyes on Krypton, but you know, but it is interesting that 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 all of those characters sort of group together. Like Shadowland, Shadowland was a crossover that featured just those street level characters. Those you know the Daredevil, Ghost Rider, Iron Fist crowd that. But and so and so, it's interesting to me then that that we have the big crossover that's coming up for Marvel this year is is Avengers versus X Men because it's taking these two different lines and these two different brands and bringing them together and and also the event is not really tied into uh, previous events either. This is sort of one that is standing on its own in a way. So. Do we know the story for this yet? Like, have they revealed any details as to why they're fighting? Or yeah, um, X Sanction Number One talked about it, where uh, Cable has now traveled back in time to kill the Avengers because they're going to try and stop Hope from becoming uh, the Phoenix, and so that's the uh, that's the that's the big storyline there. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Let's not show our bias too much, Terry. <laughs> yeah, but but and and then also what, to to think about this too is is that you know in the DC universe and this again goes back to their differences is that DC characters always end up uniting together to stop whatever villainous threat there is, and more often than not, Marvel characters like end up you know battling each other more than anything else. Of course, Civil it just, War. It just easy. blows my mind that, to think of all of the X Men being mobilized by that, by the concept yeah. that Hope Summers, who is a totally fine character, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to kill the Avengers because they don't want her to be Phoenix. When, from what we've seen, it seems like a good idea to not let her be Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know for sure, for sure. But they, I mean, of course, then again, I haven't, I haven't actually. I haven't read it, so I don't. I don't know that I'm. I'm doing it as much justice as what it could be. But, but you know, it really is just an excuse to get these characters to fight one another. And and if that's what fans want, that's fine. But they they just announced also the uh, oh one of the other tie-in series that's going to go into this. I think it's called AVX. And Tom Brevroot said that it was it. It's really light on story. There's really not going to be much to read in it, but it's extending the battles from the main series. So if you really don't like story, the, the, the only thing you like about comics is just to see people beat the crap out of each other, then, then AVX is your that's, – that's your book. <laughs> that's the one you know to see. And the first issue features a battle between Magneto and Iron Man. And How is that a fight? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. Well, well. I mean, in in Magneto, No Hero, the the Scotty Young miniseries, which is really, really good. Mostly because I'm biased and I love Scotty Young, and he is like the coolest guy in the world. But Magneto, No Hero, has a, a scene where Magneto is trying to to fight Iron Man or something, and Iron Man says that his his armor's not made of metal or something. I don't know. I don't understand how that's even... He's called Iron Man. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Unless he makes a steampunk wooden Iron Man suit. (laughs) I like the idea of that. I I like the idea of Iron Man. 
Um, and actually, which is interesting, because China Mieville tried to write a steampunk Iron Man a while back, and that would have been really awesome, because uh, China Mieville's just the best writer ever, but I digress. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting, the idea of, 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 <clears throat> of universe building in that Marvel Universe, in that they they end up having their brands clash against one another more so than some sort of unification against a, a common threat. Right, and, and what's weird, too, about about the idea of the Avengers X-Men comic being more action-y and not a lot of story, what's confusing about that to me is that whenever I started loving Marvel was during like the new Avengers time frame, whenever they added characters like Spider-Man and Wolverine to the Avengers, they had a lot more talking during fights and a lot more character development, even during battles. And I feel like I probably won't get that if they're shooting for just lots of action-y stuff. Yeah, well, and, and one of the things they, they said, too, is that well, this is on the Bleeding Cool article, is, is Rich Johnson brought up that, you know, this is sort of the book for people that were complaining that there was too much talking in Avengers and X-Men books, where they all sit around a table and drink coffee and complain about things. They develop uh, their character and all that nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> who needs that? You know, like, I, I read comics for people to hit each other, because no one does that in the real world, so... <laughs> I don't go to comics for an escape from real, real life, whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, forget that. So, I don't know. It's a, it, it's it's an odd, it's an odd miniseries. I think it's a, but it, it's interesting too because they they're sort of hinting at a at a reboot at Marvel too. But I don't I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's just rumor and conjecture. I don't think they will because they've already rebooted their Ultimate line, and I feel like that's their yeah. way of saying here's our reboot. If you want to jump on. Yeah. Well, in in ultimate the the ultimate line too is a perfect example of of universe building as well because, you know, that here they took these pre-existing characters and then got them together in in new and different ways and I feel like in that world I think it works perfect. I really think that all of the interactions between characters in the Ultimate Universe, they, they typically work for me. They make sense, and they, they feel like they all live and breathe in the same universe. Whereas whenever I see the Avengers and the X-Men, I just feel like they're, they're, they're two completely different worlds, you know? Yeah. So I'm not sure where that comes from, but, I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah, like, I've been really, I've been digging on the Ultimate Spider-Man lately, and yeah. I, I don't know anything about the Ultimate Universe. I've not read it before, but, but it's just that whole idea of, of how reboots can't help new fans jump on. I really love this this new idea of this is a new Spider-Man and new stories and and all this stuff and and I think that's why DC's been so successful this year is because they've really latched onto that concept completely. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know that they they're they're reaching a, a completely different market of people that that are going to be you know that are learning about a, a about this new universe. The the, the only thing that that I'm a little nervous about with with DC is, is is how long the sales spike lasts once you know we start getting into higher numbers and you know you you can't keep getting new readers then you know people are going to be eventually new readers will become old readers and fall off and then in order to get people that have never read comics before you can't say oh here's number one now right uh, you just start at the beginning well now we're up to issue twelve well you're gonna you're gonna have a hard time finding the first 12 issues i guess that's where the trades market comes in but but even then it's just it's not the same as as single issue market you know yeah and i, I worry too that right now dc's on the edge of their seat trying to come up with what the next event is going to be 
they've not had one since like because like, I after Flashpoint, there's no clear way to do an event, and I worry that they're they're wondering what can they can do that will shake up the entire universe. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and in my mind, if they if they kept away from events for for another year or so, I think that that would be fine because it it would allow them to you know to to let their characters exist on their own and and build them within their own titles rather than you know forcibly put them into an event but i don't know i think they're already starting to plant the seeds of of the next thing that they're going to be talking about because they've got you know this pandora character the uh, the hooded lady who they've they've now officially said her name is pandora and i i feel like that they're already beginning to uh to sort of set us down that path, you know? Well, they said that she's going to be in the next arc of Justice League, that she's going to play a big part in that. Oh, yeah, I missed that. I guess I missed that. that and, and if that's all they do, <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Because yeah. I, I don't I don't really want there to be a big event. Like I said, I've really enjoyed what they've done thus far. Like the the Constantine stuff in I, Vampire was totally classy. Didn't feel yeah. forced at all. I want more of that stuff. I mean, I like the interactions of Batgirl and Nightwing in, in their comics. Because it's not forced. They just have their characters that have pre-established relationships, and they've just been exploring that. And I want to see more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And, and actually, I, th- I think in terms of, of event things, I feel like it would be best if they sort of kept their event ideas to, to like, just the Justice League title. You know, is that is that why do they have to have, you know, this an, an event well, I guess they have an event by itself because because it equals sales typically. But right. you know, I wish that there was I wish there was some way for people to just latch on to to Justice League and really build it up into the title it should be. You know. Yeah, and I mean, like I could see I'd be okay with cross between like like JLI and Justice League. Like that seems yeah. natural once we get yeah. to modern day in Justice League. And I would see I would love to see I Vampire in the story that we're currently seeing with Swamping Animal Man. Because I mean, they're they control dead things, and what are vampires if not dead things? Right. So I mean, that'd be kind of cool to see that incorporated into that storyline. Yeah. Well, and of course, the Edge comics are, are going to start crossing over into each other in a in a more formal way now that Stormwatch, that last issue of Stormwatch has has outright said they're like 2012 begins here, and to see what are the effects of this story arc, you need to read Grifter, you need to read Voodoo, right. and you need to read Superman. You know, so so that that is beginning that. You know, I, I feel like, of course, Edge is 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 going to be crossing over soon, and it's interesting to see that that the Edge brand is going to be crossing over into Superman because it's it logically makes sense for Frankenstein and for Omac to connect to one another. That crossover, even though it's it's sort of bizarre, it still makes sense. Whereas the the Superman crossover with Grifter and Voodoo and Stormwatch is a little bit different because, of course, Superman is just our standard, you know, the, the quintessential DC hero, and those other things were former Wildstorm properties. And so it's a good idea because it's going to bring those properties into the mainstream DC universe, but it's sort of strange in my mind to, to see that that's, that's going to be a, a major... Well, not a major crossover like like you know, Final Crisis or Flash, not Flashpoint, I guess, or but you know, like 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 a standard event comic. 
but it is interesting to see that they're going to connect to one another. Yeah, and I feel like it, it'll be a good a good way to do. And I, I've been loving Stormwatch so much lately, and I'm excited to see Me them too. cross over these other comics. I've not loved Grifter. I dropped off after the first issue. You've been reading Grifter. Yeah. Is he good? Um, uh, I, <laughs> I've only read the first issue too, honestly. Like, uh, uh, I have the other issues in my house. I just haven't actually sat down and, and read them. But, I mean, I still think it is kind of cool that Superman's going to tie into those, you know, the stories of the Damonites and stuff like that. Because it, you know, it's, just, it's something that's just a little bit different. It'll be, like you said, it'll be a good way to make them the DCU, because at this point, the only thing that's been connected to is Martian Manhunter, and he's always been kind of fringe anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, I, th- I think one thing that a lot a lot of people were upset when, uh, in Green Lantern Corps, it was revealed that Martian Manhunter and Guy Gardner had never, had never met, or Guy Gardner didn't know who Martian Manhunter was, but I still think that it can still be possible for for those old Justice League stories where they were together, uh, I think that's still possible because they they sort of gave themselves an out during that encounter with the Shadow Cabinet in Stormwatch where, you know, the Shadow Cabinet made it out to be like, it erases... Who they are. Yeah, it erases who they are in order to be in Stormwatch. So I think that with that sort of deus ex machina out... I feel like anybody. I feel like there's. They haven't cut themselves off in terms of, you know, past storylines and things, and, and it will continue to help the the universe building by by having that in there. You know. Yeah, I'm sure they'll comic book this away later, like with comic book logic. But Apollo did know who Marsh Manager was. He was like Marsh Manager from the Justice League. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, I guess that is a continuity error. I suppose. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's well. a fun story. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the conversations about caring about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would like to talk a little bit, because we've talked about DC and Marvel a lot already. I'd like to talk a little bit just about the the power of having a, a comic book universe. Because yeah. I think that it gets overlooked a lot. Because you read a lot of these indie comics that are just one-shots, but there really is something powerful about having these comics that are all in the same universe, that the characters can interact like... You don't really think about it that much, but it, it it's really really a powerful tool. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's like Invincible. Like, even though Invincible is sort of set in its own universe, there are times when it ties into other parts of the Image universe. You know, like during the the Invincible, I think it was the Invincible War. It was the Viltrumite War, but the, it was a. Uh, you know, you had all these other characters from the Image universe dealing with with the threat as well, like Savage Dragon, and I'm pretty sure Spawn showed up too. <laughs> and you know, and it's like even though that character is pretty much on his own, you don't see Savage Dragon actually hanging out with with Invincible ever. It still adds a lot to the character to know that he's still he is part of the same universe that Spawn exists, and he's part of that universe that savage dragon exists because by having that that connection then the possibilities for him interacting with with the image universe are limitless and when that possibility is there even though the reality may never happen the possibility is there then it it, it adds lots of interest to the character in my mind yeah i feel like they've re- realized it's a dark horse too because recently they've done the buffy comic and then also the angel and faith comic yeah. as like 
you know, two partner comics, and they just realized that ha- you, having more stories in the same universe only makes the universe more diverse and makes us as fans just clamor to find out more and more about it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, I think in a way that, that sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier about how, or what we were talking about earlier about expanding your horizons and collecting everything possible is that there, there are some of us that are going to go and do that no matter what. You know, it's that, you know, that, that voodoo issue. I, I came so close to buying it because it had Kyle Rayner in it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get it because I'm such a huge Kyle Rayner fan, but I ended up talking myself out of it for some reason. But there, there's always that, that sort of desire that, you know, if, if there is a character that we really like or, you know, is is interacting with other storylines, then, you know, we're going to want to go and read that. And so that that is a very definite, you know, um, positive thing to have whenever you have a, a, a comic set into a larger universe. You know, Top Cow's done that that sort of thing too with this artifacts storyline with Ron Mars. Is that, of course, Darkness and Witchblade has always been sort of tied to one another. But with artifacts, like they they went all out and 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 really expanded upon that entire mythology. So. Yeah, and at the same time, things like like the Disney comics that Boob Studios have been doing, they're doing a DuckTales Darkwing crossover pretty soon. Oh, yeah? Wow. And that's going to be pretty exciting, because they've always been in the same universe. Launchpad's always been yeah. in both comics, but we've yeah. never seen them interact. So, that's yeah. not, I mean, not that it matters, because Disney's taking the license away from Boob Studios after that. But, yeah, yeah. but the so idea I, of it is very exciting. I was going to say, I, I kind of wondered about that, because I thought, you know... Since Marvel owns, or since not Marvel, Marvel doesn't own Disney. Since Disney owns Marvel, sorry, I, I wondered why why Boom Boom was still was was still holding on to their to their Disney license. So probably because they were doing a really good job with it, and then yeah, yeah, <laughs> Disney realized that oh wait we should, we could make more money if we just did it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why aren't we doing our own comics? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. But yeah, no that that would be that is kind of cool. But then you know, I've always considered all of the I've considered all of the Disney stuff to be in the same continuity with each other. But we've always known that it was. We've never seen them interact, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, admittedly, I don't want to see Sora pop up in the Darkwing Duck comic necessarily, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want to admittedly say it, <laughs> but secretly, I'd love to see Darkwing in Kingdom Hearts. I will say that. But I would not necessarily cool. love to see Sora in the comic. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I think that there is something very powerful about the idea of of this universe and multiple comics in the same universe. And and as comic fans, we overlook it so much because we we have it with Marvel and DC. Yeah. And, and you know, like as a publisher, like I'm sure they would love to be like, oh, I want to be involved in this event, and and it just makes sense. And uh, even though we complain about event fatigue. It's only logical that if something giant happens in a world, it's going to affect everybody there. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Boom, actually, uh, the more I think about it, too, is that, that Boom has reached a point where, uh, you know, irredeemable, irredeemable and Incorruptible were two books that existed, you know, in the same universe but on their own. And now they're finally getting to, I mean, getting to where they are connecting with one another is that you, you have the first real actual crossover and uh you know for for irredeemable that took over like 30 nearly 40 issues i guess before they they crossed over and stuff and so it's like it's really really cool to see that 
you know, we of course they've they've always existed in the same universe, but to see them actually interacting with one another and then realizing that these two characters are have always been inherently connected in their origin stories is like, you know, that that just adds so much to it. And I think that the reason why it's so important and the reason why DC and Marvel the reason why people complain about event fatigue, I guess, is because if it's overdone, then it will, um, you know, it, it eventually will, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to feel as important, you know, as, as, as these small brief interactions like the, the Superman grifter voodoo Stormwatch connection yeah. or, or the John Constantine appearing in I vampire. Those are very small cameos, but, but they do a lot to, to, to build up the mythology of that universe. And there definitely is something to be said for very casual mentions of admitting that it's in the same world. Like in the first issue of I Vampire, like they mentioned that Superman and Wonder Woman existed. And, and just having that established out the gate in a, in a book that doesn't feel very superhero-y, it, it really does make a difference. Yeah. Well, and kind of continuing on with that, it's like Thunder Agents. Thunder Agents is a great comic. Mm-hmm. It's a really great comic. But it's not really set in the DCU because they never really mention DC. They never mention any DC characters. It, it's all a very self-contained thing. And part of that could just be because, you know, it's been published by a number of different publishers before now. And maybe DC only has the rights to the Thunder agents if they are set in their own universe and they don't interact with the mainstream DCU. But I think that that's one of the things that makes it uh, – not quite as successful as some of these other books is that it is just, it's by itself. There's no, there's no sense of, of larger universe. You're never going to see the Thunder Agents team pop up in a Batman comic, even though that would be really awesome. Yeah. I mean, there obviously would be a a certain appeal of, you know, like Barbara Gordon joined the Thunder Agents or something. Yeah. (laughs) That's how she got her legs back. She joined the Thunder Agents and she may die in a few years, but she can walk. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh God, that'd piss off so many people, though. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, the fact that she's she's walking already is, is, has made so many people mad. That that adding on the caveat that she she might die in a few years because the suit's killing her that would just <laughs> that would be the icing on the cake for DC women kicking ass. So, <laughs> so I I don't know if we really accomplished. Uh, much of anything in the, in this conversation, but I, I think it, we we did bring up a lot of really good musings to think about when it comes to how to create a a expansive world that is so diverse, but yet still is unified in in terms of uh, continuity or or in terms of, of of message and scope. You know, DC's done a lot with with their different brands, and now they're they're trying to slowly incorporate them into each other. And Marvel has always diversified their, their brands as, as far as like Avengers, X-Men, Spider-Man, stuff like that. And so it, it feels a little strange that they, they sort of have to have this Avengers, X-Men crossover that, I don't know, that, that, that has these worlds collide and it feels just a tad forced, I suppose, in a way. But I, I'm not sure that, that we have, we've, we've solved much, but, um, so I mean, what what do you think? What, what how how can we condense this conversation into uh, uh, a probable thesis on on world building? Well, I think the conclusion there's no right way to do it. You know, there's no 
there is no tried and tested way to to successfully build a world. Um, a lot of companies try to do it in a very varying levels of success, and and it really all depends on the kind of fan that you are and what kind of fan you're trying to appeal to. If you're a Marvel fan, you're, you're not somebody that is so tied up in continuity. You're not somebody that that needs to have everything connect to itself. Whereas if you're a DC fan, you want it to, and and you you crave these characters interact with one, one another. And people that love that also love it whenever these indie comics do cross over and do interact because we just we love it whenever people whenever characters that we've been following for years interact with the other characters we've been following for years and and that's what world building really is is allowing characters to interact that typically don't interact yeah for sure so yeah this has been uh cody walker and uh terry bartley for uh podcast and uh we hope to hear you next time thanks Sequart Research and Literacy Organization exists to promote comics as a legitimate form of art. It offers daily content on its website, sequart.org. It publishes nonfiction books that analyze comics and take comics seriously. It even produces documentary films about comics. Find out more at sequart.org. And if you'd like to help Sequart through Amazon purchases, at absolutely no additional cost to you. Please visit sequart.org slash Amazon.